one needs the seas to be wetter We don't need all our cheese to be cheddar Our only needs to get better And better and better and better Hi everyone, it's me, Jessica Jake, and I'm here with Carol Robertson, PhD. She's the creator of Brain Art and Brain Sculpture and a Havening Trainer. Um, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to learn from you today and hear about everything you're up to. Oh, thank you for inviting me. And I hope the things I can share today are going to be really practical and useful for everyone listening. Yes, that. That would be amazing. I know they'll be practical and useful for me. So at least there's that. <laughs> so what is brain art and brain sculpture? Well, I think that we're all fantastic artists. And our biology, we're really, uh, we're electrical. And we, you know, we are making chemicals as well. We make hormones and neurochemicals. We're incredibly complex. And then you know we've got all our whole flesh and blood thing going on and we don't speak to each other it's like if you and I uh, came on here just now and, and I said oh you know I've got a bit of you know amygdala activity and some adrenaline and cortisol and my brain waves are maybe like alpha uh, we don't do that we 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 say you know I feel great it's really lovely to be here we might say I feel bubbly or expansive or golden or light or rounded or you know we're always telling stories we're always making art and when we access our thoughts they're usually you know we're taking in visual information and then we make collages in our minds we now know that about memories that memories are really always collages so we're always changing them each time so we recall something and depending on uh, you know, it's like if we were talking and we were talking about something we'd both been to and you look, I see you've got a lovely dog there and I love dogs. It might be that our conversation might be about the dogs we saw that day. But if we were with somebody else who wasn't so keen on that and they were more interested in cakes or something like that, probably we'd just talk about the cakes. And so as we recall those things, you know, we access pictures of the cakes and pictures of the dogs and we might access them. Uh, we might sort of say we just have a sense of knowing, but you can uh, train yourself to uh, see more with your brain art. And I call it brain art because when you learn brain art, what you start to be able to do is use it and, and be creative with it and change it. So you can sort of focus on, on different, different things, just like we do naturally all the time. But you can start doing it with a bit of kind of just like an artist does. So you can start to kind of, you know, like when we decorate our houses, we decorate them with things that make us feel great. You know, we buy things and we, we put photographs up that remind us of lovely events. And I think we should do the same with our internal art. So we're all artists and we're all fantastic artists. Like, you know, if I'm catastrophizing about something, you know, I can make a fantastic movie of what might go wrong. You know, like as good as any Hollywood director. But I can also understand that and start to suggest to myself communicate with myself and make a different movie and then what happens when you do that is that your electrical system and your chemical system change and suddenly you can actually do it and I'm always amazed even though I've been doing it since I was a teenager I'm always amazed by how successful it is but it makes sense it's successful because it changes our chemistry 
and it reduces our fear and it and it helps us do things so that's the kind of brain art uh, element of it and it encompasses not just the pictures and sounds we make in our mind but also the feelings that we have in our body so how we describe those feelings and how we move those feelings around um so we say they're really somatosensory it's really a part of the brain called the somatosensory system that we're just really learning about through neuroscientists and the amazing work they do. So we translate that those that signaling into amazing stories about even what size we feel. You know, we're quite Alice in Wonderland. You know, sometimes I feel far too big and clumpy and awful, and other times I feel really, really tiny, and other times I feel all right. <laughs> so we kind of do a whole scale thing as well. So yeah, there's lots of that. And brain sculpture um, refers to the idea that we can, we can, sh we're always shaping, we're always um, changing all the time. Whatever kind of brain type we have, and whatever um, experiences we've had in life, it's always it's changing much more than we even. We're learning more and more how much it's changing. And so the idea of brain sculpture is really kind of uh, taking action with that and deliberately making changes or choosing to make changes. And then of course you can use wonderful techniques like havening techniques, which are really comfortable and easy to use and you can sculpt with those. So they're like your your tools. Yeah, and I, like. I love that phrase, um, sculpting your brain. And I've come to know, I think we all know this on some level that it's being sculpted for you by your experience. So. There was a quote I loved when I first heard it, and I still love Dr. Wade Dyer, but now I'm like, oh, wait, that's, that's not a good quote anymore. Because he was talking about on a boat, like what makes the boat go forward and where you want it to go um, and like how there's a wake behind the boat. And he says, like, could the wake ever tell the boat like which way to go? And it's like kind of like only thinking of this future focus, what we could wrap our minds around. But now I'm like, oh, wait, you know, like if I don't know what's back there, the rudder or something else, like your your brain is always helpfully adapting for you, landscaping, sculpting, right? And um, it's not a great analogy anymore, right? And so we need something better than <laughs> the wake behind the boat can't tell me where to go in the future. Like, this idea of sculpting and re-sculpting is just such a beautiful, in my mind, better way of looking at it. Um, could you? Yeah, I love in in Havening. Um, Dr. Ronald Rudin talks about landscaping, and I think that's such a great word because it describes it the natural process of our uh, of ourselves landscaping ourselves, and and then the idea of brain sculpture is that is that then you you take action just like a, a sculptor does. You know, we decide, okay, I'm going to take away that bit and I'm going to add a bit and this is kind of how I want it to be. And we can do that to, to a much greater extent than we realised. Right. And I like I like both of those landscape because it's like we're cultivating, so it's with this care and the same with the sculpting. It's with this care and with this heart. Um, but when we think about how the landscape is being formed or things are being sculpted without us really being aware of it. Um, how does that learning like take place? I know you're so into the, the neurochemistry of it all. So I'd love to hear yeah. like what is really going on in there? 
I think there's a really beautiful modern model that we can look at, which is, you know, we've all these old models, haven't we, about ids and egos and, and things when, when people were trying to work things out, but they didn't have neuroscience. We now have neuroscience. So it's like, can we think afresh and can we take on whole new ideas and new languages? So so I, my vocabulary is really altered and my understanding has really changed. And I like it, things to be really simple we can dive in and get it more complicated but it's a beautiful model in biology and it's it's if we imagine a v a really lovely v and we think about um there being a stimulus say we've got a diagram and the stimulus is at the top so say it's uh say it's a, a baby and there is a, a cake big slice of cream cake or something like that or an ice cream or something like that so the baby doesn't know what that thing is yeah so as the baby looks at this stimulus the ice cream or the cake they've got to decide like is it going to be risky or is it going to be rewarding and then the baby experiences it and as the baby experiences it um because we're all wired up for survival you know we're and we're our history is very interesting in relation to that, but I'll touch on that later on. So if you if if you think about that, be the baby takes the ice cream and it's cold, but it's sweet and it's milky, and it's it's, it's exciting and rewarding and joyful and tasty and wow, you know, stimulating. So if you think about the V that way, I think of the biology has rewarding on one side and risky on the other side and so as that learning takes place so so there's the, that response is there like okay there's a stimulus this is rewarding this is good and then what happens in the brain is if we imagine the ends of we just think about the ends of the neurons they come together it's a bit like two friends meeting or something they come together and this one's signaling uh neurochemicals across this gap this is like a so we could think of it like um a building and people moving through the building into a street and they're taking the message across to this building and they want to get in but there are no doors so they're kind of knocking on here trying to get in and this neuron responds by making doorways so the doorways are made back here and then they come up boom, 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 and then we can imagine them coming out the front of the, the neurons. So it's like doors. So they're just like doors and they open up. The chemicals come across this gap and they engage with the doors. It's a bit like trying to open the doors like and eventually the right code happens and they open and then the traffic can flow through and that signal can, can travel then. So then we've got something like, um, it's like a transport system. So the next time the baby sees ice cream, the baby knows what it is and knows it's rewarding. And the sensory information comes in. So sensory information is what it looks like, maybe what mum says, the context, the place where it is, the kind of general atmosphere around about it, the smell of it. Um, the temperature of it, all of these things, it's all inputted and matched with these receptors that are there that have been made by the baby. So they're matched and traffic flows immediately. 
So the baby can act very quickly and go, oh, I scream, yes, me, like, <laughs> because we recognize it. And so that's that's how we learn. And we learned about this in, 19, in the 1970s, the early 1970s. So we've known about it for a long time in a very detailed way. Uh, we've known about how the receptors are made, how they pop out, how they act like doors. Um, so it's a, we have a lot of knowledge on it and it's, it's accepted globally. And it's called long-term potentiation. And the guys who called it that at the time because they were, everybody was so keen to hear about it, they gave a talk a bit quicker than they were ready for it. And they wanted to call it longer term potentiation. They swung around and in the end they called it long term. And that's one of their regrets because they thought at that time that probably those learnings, those, the way we learn, the mechanism of learning, probably also involved them being absorbed again. But they didn't have the evidence then. And it wasn't until much more recently that um, Kareem Nader at McGill University said, and it's a wonderful example of somebody who's kind of fresh in a field, said to all these amazing experts in the field of uh, neuroplasticity, uh, people like Eric Tindale, he said to them, um, what happens when they go in the way? What do you call that? And what happens? And everybody kind of went, oh, you know, <laughs> we don't know. So he uh, did a research uh, program and he was able to, to see it and to prove it. And it's called e-potentiation. So when, they, when we learn something, they pop out and they act as doors and the traffic flows. And then we have our response. The, you know, because we respond to the electrical and chemical uh, signals so that we can take appropriate action. And um, when we learn something new, so um, you know, any kind of new learning involves absorbing of receptors and making of new receptors. So if we decide we don't like ice cream anymore, there'll be some absorbing of receptors and then we'll make some new receptors. And there's all different kinds of receptors. Tiny. We've got billions of them or millions of them. I think billions of them, actually. I'll have to check my numbers. And we are absorbing them all the time. So something like when the scientists look at a little group of neurons, if you imagine it's like the equivalent of when you, if you think of it like a map, when we learn something to begin with, it's like, flying over in a little plane and seeing one little house, one little light, baby likes ice cream. But after a very short time, it's more like flying over a city. So the top of, if we if we looked at the neuron and turned it up that way, and the little plane was flying through there, it would be like flying over a great city, all these lights. So um, when the scientists have looked at this recently in France, they were looking at it and they found that 30% of the neurons were absorbing so we're incredibly plastic um so it really makes it makes us question lots of things about what's possible how, how we think about ourselves and the other thing that's really important uh, is that we now know that that kind of wonderful plasticity is um that wonderful brain sculpture or landscaping is um goes on and 
even into our older years, into our elder years. It's not something that's specific to children. And we can we can do things like like, like you do with Havening. Yeah. Uh, we can do things um, to engage with our plasticity. I have an interesting story from my past. When I was little, I loved caramel. I thought it was delicious. So like the cake, the baby and the cake. I was so little. Like yeah. I, Let's say I was like three or I, I, I can't say for sure. And my yeah. grandmother had out on her coffee table, like a little ceramic bowl with all the caramel in there. And I was all alone and I was eating it. I was choking. I couldn't talk. I couldn't uh, breathe, but I didn't go run for help or anything. And luckily, like I coughed it up. Uh, and then ever since then, I've hated it. <laughs> like I'm 52 years old. So probably this is probably like 50 years later or so. And so, um, so it's interesting. You're saying, you know, these doors pop up and they're pretty much staying there, but some are kind of fluxing back and not maybe like getting reabsorbed. Right. And um, on their yep. own accord, maybe if they're not reinforced, um, but then something like this happens. So when you're saying the baby now doesn't like cake, it reminded me of this story. And so, yeah, if you could speak to like what what's happening there on that neurochemical level. Uh, so so Dr. Ronald Rudin tells us a lot about this and has lots of interesting theories, some of it based on, you know, influenced by people like Kareem Nadar's work, because Ron's work is built from the modern neuroscience. And so he explains what happens when, and he's a beautiful checklist for it. So when we're in a, a situation where we need to survive, so we go back to our biology V. And so when you were eating the caramel, it things shifted from it being a really rewarding experience to when you choked, it became a risky experience. And so our brain um, responds to, to two particular messages one is that when something is inescapable and choking is really inescapable isn't it it's like the horrible I choked on a, a big fruit boiling when I was a little kid and so I have a vivid memory of, of that um so it's inescapable and we don't tend to say that you know that's a kind of scientific term but if you hear yourself saying things like I'm stuck or I'm choking or, oh, no, or it's happening, these things kind of translate across to or I'm bogged down or, you know, like I'm trapped in this marriage. These are very important messages that we give to our brain. So our brain, even if it's not true, you know, if it's a kind of concept like when we say I'm trapped in this job or blah, blah, blah. Um, if we make that kind of habit, what we're doing is we're sending a signal that the brain takes very seriously for survival. So straight away, the amygdala, the right amygdala is, is kind of, it's there for us. It's it's ready for the learning to take place there. And if we add to that, um, that we add a kind of meaning, which is some kind of loss or abandonment. So if we say, I might lose my life, you know, which you maybe thought as a kid, you thought, not breathe. you know, I've lost my ability to breathe and um, this is dangerous. So again, we don't say, we don't generally say, we don't kind of say I've lost this or I'm abandoned, but you can hear it. Once you start to kind of know it, you can hear it in your own language. Um, you know, one of the things that we can uh, start to build as a habit is we can say I've lost control when we haven't really. 
but our brain takes it really, really seriously. So when these two things come together and we say it's inescapable and there's some kind of abandonment or loss, our amygdala is ready to, uh, to, to for us to learn in that area of the brain. So, in the, so we're learning, um, we're making receptors that we're going to use for survival. And it's a little bit different. They're the same kind of receptors, but it happens really fast. So it's like a one-time really quick super learning and the location is the right amygdala. And from then on, we use those receptors to survive better. So it's like better or better. So <laughs> we are fantastic at it. So, so it means that when you see caramel or somebody talks to you about caramel, that matches just in the same way with the other one. It matches, the information matches, but this time it's matching with the survival, the usages for survival. And it happens as a primary, you know, if you, if you think about it, it's like we have our burglar alarm on the outside of our house. Yeah. So, you know, so if, if somebody comes through, our alarm goes off. It's a kind of external surface activity. And the same with our antivirus system on our computer. It's external. We don't even see it really, do we? But it doesn't let things in that shouldn't be coming in. And it's the same with our the way our amygdala survival response works. It's uh it's 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 kind of it's I think of it as a surface activity. People often talk about things being deep, deeply, but it's not, it's happening right on the surface. And so you see the caramel or you think about the caramel and your survival, it matches, the traffic flows. And this time, the signaling is for survival. So you make more adrenaline and cortisol, you, um, and then you respond in a way that is going to uh, help you survive. And we're kind of quirky because some of those uh, behaviours might be that we suddenly get an itch or a pain or our stomach is upset. And those things work as survival. They're, they're connected to old Stone Age ways to survive, which we could talk about. We get enmeshed in all of that, but that's what they're connected to. And they're also connected to um, the things that were happening at the moment um, when when you choked, for example. So because your brain encodes everything else, for example, if your immune system was low at that point, then when those receptors are activated again, your immune system would do a drop. So it's it's very interesting. And I think if we think about those kinds of survival learnings, which we tend to call traumatization, but that's a kind of funny thing to say because the trauma was like the wake of the boat. It was way back there. It was a previous uh, you know, destination. And what's happening is happening now. And it's, and it's happening for survival, happening to keep us safe. Um, so, so that's a, it's a, sometimes it can seem a very curious thing but once you start to understand it then you can recognize it and you can notice oh I'm doing a survival response and then the beautiful thing is once you experience havening you can understand that you can signal to your brain that you're safe you can communicate with your brain that you're safe 
which is partly what makes Havening pleasant and fun because we're signaling I'm safe. This is all good, you know, da, 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 da. we're doing some working memory. And the brain makes the decision that those receptors that were made that time about the caramel can be absorbed. So they're absorbed and they're, it's quite neat. They're recycled, tissues recycled. And then if you imagine the next time you saw caramel, traffic would come out of the vesicles out of here, across the synapse, across the gap, like, like, like people trying to get into a cell room. And they would try to get into this neuron and there would be no doors specific for that stimuli. And then you would be able to eat caramels again and you would have a new experience. So it would be like a new Jessica adult experience of caramels and you'd be like, hmm, it's quite nice, or whatever you would think. Yeah. And what would then happen is in other parts of your brain, you would make some more receptors and you would probably also, because you have lots of beliefs about caramels and there'll be else, lots of receptors elsewhere in your brain, they will absorb. So they'll be like, oh, changed my mind. Maybe I do like them. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So, so we we can really utilize this, and then it really does become sculpture. And so, so this, I, I love looking at what we like, you know, just yeah. just like you're saying, you know, what we like and what we dislike, and how where do we learn that? Yeah. I used to not be able to read the time, or um, I had a lot of difficulty with um well even putting a jersey on or maths or things like that and um it's been really fun to to be free of that you know yeah. not that so it we, was we, massively we, important but it, it's surprising what a difference it makes yeah sorry oh yeah no I wanted to ask you about the doors that pop up when we're learning in that reward way or maybe even just learning new things in school. And you said those get reabsorbed 30% just kind of naturally, I guess, if we're not using those doors so much, they get. Or, or, we're, or we're developing our knowledge. So, okay, right, um, right. so so things like, I love horse riding. I love making art as well. And so if I think about when I first learned about horse riding, um, and I used to think like, oh, I better try to ride horses as much as I can do because I won't be able to after I'm 30 and I'll be rubbish and blah. Now I'm 60, but my horse riding is better than it. And it's, in some ways it's more rewarding than it was when I was a teenager because I know more. Right. So lots of the knowledge that I kind of was really proud of when I was a teenager, those receptors will have absorbed and I've got new receptors. Oh, that's so cool. And so yeah. that's great. And then when it comes to the type of learning we have, that's really fast for those survival. This is a risky situation. Are those more, more stuck in place as doors or is it the same, the same way of, um, cause I like, um, I don't think I'm going to Haven on it to get to love caramel again, because I don't need the sugar in my life, but you know, those are pretty permanent, right? And so can you think, um, talk about maybe the difference between depotentiating and so, those So cases? they, yeah, so they'll depotentiate just as easily. So it's a really great question because in in our society, we tend to, to so if we look at that wonderful checklist that Ron has, you know, where, the, where our brain responds to a situation that's inescapable that we give the meaning of loss or abandonment to. And at that point, our brain goes, 
super fast learning. This is important information. You know, I need to know about caramels or, you know, um, you know, or in my case, I need to know about reading the time, you know, like run, run. You know, like, you know, so even as I, you know, you know, it, like it'd be ridiculous. I'd be giving a talk after my get my doctorate and somebody would say to me, what time is it? And I'd have to say, you know, have a look at my watch because the hands would just kind of go around and around or the numbers would just there's a whole thing around watches and now after I did some havening I can look and it and it kind of amazes me I'm like wow it's still like it's easy it's 920 or whatever you know it's easy you know because I'm not having a survival response so when the survival response was activating reading time wasn't important surviving was important so so it's like having a mind for it so so a lot of people wouldn't take that very seriously you know that about you and the caramels or me not being able to read the time um but the receptors that were made you know I, when I had some kind of fright about the time um I think it was my granddad used to make clocks and and he tried to explain to me how he made the clocks and he had lots of bits of clock and it was just all about <laughs> and you know what kids are like you can get really upset like I don't understand this you know like what's the pendulum <laughs> anyways I think that's when it happened so I did that super fast learning now those receptors can absorb really really easily when we sing signal to the brain that we're safe so it's a little bit like changing our burglar alarm or our um, antivirus system on our computer. You know, we can decide, I'm gonna go in there and change it. And Havening's very clever because it 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 signals to the brain that that we're we're now safe. We don't need that anymore. We don't need those receptors. Our survival system carries on functioning. You know, all the things that are unconditional threat stimuli, you know, like heights and scary, creepy crawlies, we're still gonna be scared of those things. You know, unless we kind of, you know, develop ways of dealing with it, usually curiosity, you know, people who love insects and things like that are like, I'm really curious about how spiders work, you know, whereas the rest of us are a bit like, mm, yes, maybe they can stay over there, you know. <laughs> so, but when we experience things that in society we think are very serious that might involve um, the person being seriously injured or abused in some way and we think they're, they're very serious and we might not even talk about them we might not even publish stories about them because they're really you know we find them really um, too stressful to think about when those things happen and the, the person's experiencing that and they think this is inescapable and I'm going to lose something my life or my self-respect or whatever is happening um the receptors are the same they're in the same place and they're the same so and they can depotentiate just as easily too and that's a massive concept to wrap our heads around as modern modern people uh, to mm -hmm. understand that and it's not that they're deep and it's not that they're different it's they will deep they can they can absorb in just the same way and they will be recycled in just the same way and what then happens is it means that the the things that we're connected to that 
um, no longer activate the survival system. And they might be all sorts of things. They might be um, a lampshade that was seen or a coloured carpet or a pattern um, or a combination of clothing or a smell um, or something you were saying to yourself. You know, quite a common one in accidents is that we're saying to ourselves something like, oh, that's great, I'm invisible. I am going really fast and it's fantastic. It's really exciting. And then, you know, we fall off our bicycle or our horse or our bobsleigh or crash a car or somebody, something happens and crashes into us or some, something happens. Um, and we have that com that combination of inescapable and uh, the, the meaning of, of loss. And so we do fast learning. But when we encode that fast learning, we can also encode the little thought to ourselves like, I'm great. So in the future, the next time we think to ourselves, I'm great, our survival response activates. And we think, oh, oh, maybe I should back off. Does that make sense? Wow. Yeah, that makes a and, lot of sense. And that's case. And that's why understanding about case is so helpful that we encode case. Yeah. So could you talk a little bit about case? Because we've never talked about that on my podcast and it's a great yeah. um, acronym. Yeah, it's a super one. And again, this one comes from Dr. Ronald Rudin and it comes from the Havening Techniques. And he's just, he's so concise. Um, so it's a beautiful checklist and it's really useful to think about. And it relates to uh, brain art as well. So, so we've got A, so we've got C, A, S, E, um, and the C stands for cognitive. So that's things that we're, we're thinking. So it might be, we might kind of say, oh, I've got a knowing, but actually it's probably images and sounds and dialogues. And even if we think we can't access images, it's something that you can usually develop and if you think about it we know we can find our car in the car park we recognize you know we recognize our favorite food we recognize our front door this is sensory matching going on so it's a fun thing to to develop accessing your images and they can be in different formats so sometimes you know if you ask me to think about my favorite pet then I get a really real steaming scene of being with him. And it's um I it, it has a very fast response with me. Then I start to you know feel my heart expanding and I feel really happy and excited and kind of glowing. So that's the next thing. That's your autonomic system. So that's um I'm moving there to kind of probably parasympathetic system. So common name for that is rest and digest. I'm just contented and safe feeling and so happy to uh, be lucky enough to have, you know, beautiful, to care for a beautiful pet like that. Um, and, you know, the relationship something that we really worked on. So it's, so it's a really happy thing for me. So that moves my, my, my sympathetic system response to it. So if it was something I was, uh, scared of so if it'd be me before you'd ask me about what's the time then I would move to my sympathetic system 
which is survival system. So then you probably see some changes in me. My ears might prick up, my eyes might get a bit more, it might get a bit more tense. So you'd be thinking, what's wrong with her? I only asked her about the time. <laughs> get more, and my heart would beat faster, so I could survive. And I might start kind of looking for the exit or doing calming signals. I might look away and not be able to make eye contact, and right. then I would probably move into um, a, my somatosensory uh, system, and my brain would probably kick in. These things that can all happen so fast. Um, so that's the S of case, and that's an area in the brain called the somatosensory system, and we experience it as uh, feelings in our body. And often we tell amazing stories about those because they're not easy to describe in one word. So and often people are experiencing somatosensory uh, experiences, um, and people are asking them to name it as an emotion. And really, it takes more than that. So when we say to kids, you know, how do you feel? Often they experience a somatosensory and they need a big essay to tell us, you know, it feels like I've, you know, got, you know, the whole sun in my body or it feels like I've got the, the problem is as big as the world or, you know, I feel like I've got a knife in my back or an iceberg in my hip or we describe things in that kind of way. Or sometimes we can't even think how to describe them. Yeah. We can only kind of access it and think, oh, I seem to have a lump in my throat or something like that. So we all do that. Or we say our heart is heavy or our heart is full. So I would put them all in as somatosensory uh, description, descriptions of somatosensory. And then the E of cases, emotions. And I think there's some really interesting uh, neuroscience coming through about emotions. For instance, um, in Glasgow, they've been doing some very important work and they've identified four universal emotions, which is quite tiny, isn't it? That in, across the world, there's only four. And they are, and we can notice them in ourselves, which is interesting. They're surprised when we lift our forehead, we go, ooh. So this whole area kind of flattens and lifts up. They are disgust, which is we curl up our nose and our lip and everything. And it makes sense that they are a communication system because our Stone Age origins were that we were prey mammals and we had to be in a group. So that's really partly why we're so keen on being in groups. Even though sometimes logically we're like, I don't want to be in this group. But then we're like, it's so hard to leave. It's so it hurts so much to leave. And that's partly that's partly why it's so valuable for us. So if we're in a group and we go to take some water, for instance, going uh, like this with our nose communicates to everybody else there's something uh, dangerous here something just got don't drink the water communicates it to the children and the older people this is dangerous then the other thing is fear which is in the mouth here so it's kind of like little kind of line in the mouth and anger and anger is like a little um like a narrowing here of the eyelid area now that kind of fascinates me. So we can maybe think about emotions slightly differently as a communication system to ourselves and to other people. So case is wonderful. And when we're learning, so when we're just doing ordinary learning, long-term potentiation, LTP it's called, and when the receptors absorb, that's actually called long-term depression. But they're referring to the receptors depressing, uh, absorbing. So they could have called it long-term absorbing that would probably be easier because we tend to think it means being depressed, but it doesn't. It's just talking about the receptor depressing. 
So it's LTP and LTT going on all the time. And each time we're learning something, our case at that moment is involved with it, like the baby with the ice cream. So when the baby decided, oh, look at this, this is exciting, that case is, uh, is uh, recorded, is encoded. And then we just have this wonderful collection of information in our brains that we draw on, that we collage from, that we make brain art from. And, and our landscape um, changes how we respond to stimuli that we encounter. And so that changes our predictions, how we predict about things and how we perceive things. So a fun thing to do is to notice how you predict. You know, so if somebody says to me, do you want to come out to do and do this thing? You know, I notice how I predict about it. And if I sort of predict, oh, I don't have anything to wear. I'm going to a big party soon, actually. It's a special party. And so I'm a bit like, I don't really have anything to wear. And then I can change that to thinking, you know, I'm sure I can find something that's nice to wear. You know, And it's very different messaging to my brain. Because if I say something like, I don't have anything to wear, I'm telling my brain, oh, this is inescapable. Oh, I've, I've lost, I'm, I'm missing something. So I can just notice that structure and change it. So I'm sure I can find something to wear. You know, I can solve that. And that changes your chemistry. And then it seems easy. Yeah. And it's any of those aspects of case could be what you're noticing, right? Like if someone asks you to go and all of a sudden you feel oh, in your stomach, right? Like yeah. sensory or if all of a sudden you feel anxious or something, then that's the yeah. emotion. Um, so I love that. So this is, um, you know, so much science and now, as people are like, oh, this is cool. I want to be the artist um, and, and do brain art and brain sculpture. The predicting and watching the predictions is one great thing. And then it sounds yeah. like in that moment, we could re-sculpt a little bit, right? Yeah, or we could just notice, actually. Mm. Um, and it's been like, as well, just notice the stories that we tell, the brain art that we tell. So, you know, if we... Um, you know, go to the party and come back and go, oh, I met so-and-so and that was really nice and that was really lovely. We're generating in our system um, a, a lot of dopamine, a lot of oxytocin, a lot of serotonin, a lot of endorphins. That's really good for us. But if we come back and we go, oh, so-and-so said this to me and I didn't like that. And um, you and you're talking to, you know, it was inescapable. And I was really bored and blah, blah. You're talking to your uh your survival system you're activating and you're flooding yourself with adrenaline and cortisol. And that's a whole other thing. It's, it's not good for your heart. It's not good for your allostatic load, uh, all of these things. So you might notice it and think um, mm, that, and it's okay. It's, it's totally okay. We are biological. It's a biological uh, thing that's going on. So we can look at it very logically and say, mm, okay, that was my response. I wonder uh, where I learned that. Right. You know, I wonder um, what that stem. A bit like us talking about the caramels and the and the time. I wonder where that came from. So I'm not completely sure about my time thing, but I guess it was probably something like that. Um, and so, yeah, you can look at that, and then you can go do some havening, and then you can go to another party and see if it's changed. So you can work really progressively. So I I quite like working from a uh, case. So, you know, so if I'm doing an unwanted case, um, then I can start 
um, considering that and looking to change it. So so one of the, the horses that I have, I used to be scared of him quite, quite rightly. And um, so I was able to look at my unwanted case, which was like, <clears throat> and very like becoming very upright and like everything. And then of course, when I met him, of course his brain would match my brain and he would be, and he's much bigger than me. So then we'd both be like, <sighs> you know, terrible really. And then I was able to identify that and go about uh, making some changes. And I used Haydening to do that. And now we're all soft and, you know, having a really lovely time together. So you can really change relationship uh, and change, you're changing yourself. So I, I didn't change the horse so much as changing myself. And then, of course, so I go to see him and I'm making oxytocin and I'm really pleased to see him. And he feels safe and he's more able to learn. And then we've just been able to move on from there. He's a young horse that obviously had some experience that that wasn't helpful. And then I wasn't so quickly able to, to help him. I had to change myself first. So yeah. I'll be sure to put a link to a Havening video because that will be key um, to actually implementing this for anyone who wants to to try it. Yeah, um, yeah. it's just so simple and beautiful uh, that you it's what they say healing in your hands, right? So you literally uh, are taking this beautiful touch um, with you and and. And could yeah. you as you as you notice these predictions and reactions? Yeah. And then and actually, you know, we're functioning perfectly well because we're some we're functioning uh, for survival. So so what I do as a reframe for myself is when I notice case or behaviors that that I that, that limit me or that are, are you know other people don't like, I do have a pause and then I think, oh, it's a survival behavior. You know, where do I learn it? And, um, you know, actually, it's just a little receptor. It's a little teeny, teeny, you know, big responses from these tiny, tiny receptors that can so easily be absorbed. And evening's so clever because it it just, you know, signals so quickly using the electrical system of simple touch. You know, just these particular areas, yeah. you know, in our face, our palms, uh, our shoulder to our our elbow can be used to to send a signal to our brain. Mm -hmm. So yeah, some people think about healing. I I just think it's um it's an unwanted survival response, and that you can you can change it. And that, for me, that's a very um so it's it's a very practical way of thinking about it. Yeah. It's very kind, it's very kind to ourselves to think about it that way. Yeah. And we're I not heard... kind of ref, we're not referring back to thinking, oh, this is because of a trauma. Oh, got it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, because trauma is the word trauma basically means what like some kind of injury. So like we have a physical trauma and emotional trauma. It doesn't necessarily mean like you need to go see a psychologist. Like it's not a diagnosable yeah. disorder in and of itself. Um and I saw something interesting, too, where a, a university decided not to put trigger warnings on something 
And I, and they said, because we don't know what's going to trigger people, right? Paramount yeah. is going to trigger Jessica. The, the watch no longer triggers you. Um, you know, the color of uh, smell of a cologne, this, that, the other thing. So you'll never yeah. know. Um, so this is um, just super helpful. And yes, we do care that you might have this case built in. And this is a tool you could use to help you know, to have those, those little doors get <laughs> closed forever or, or and reabsorbed um, versus trying to walk on eggshells, wondering what might traumatize um, someone. Um, I mean, there's within reason, I mean, right, like there's certain things that, like you were saying, are built in. Um, yeah, so we, we bec yeah, because our brain has got that amazing um, survival mechanism it's just going to carry on working so you can carry on making receptors in your amygdala and you can carry on responding your survival system will be careful that it's dark you will be extra looking out unless you're somebody who always works in the dark and you've educated your brain in a way to say yeah but this is what we do or people who you know work often with clients who work up at the top of uh, high windmills or trees and they they tell their brain, they speak to their brain, they say, yeah, I earn a lot of money and this is, I'm really good at this and I've got my harness on and yeah, I love a view. <laughs> yeah. So they're, so they're signaling to their the receptors in their amygdala that respond to the unconditioned threat stimuli, the height, the risk of falling. They, they speak to their brain, they go, ah, oh, this was my choice. So they collapse the inescapable. They say the meaning is I get a nice view and the meaning is I earn good money. And I love it and it's free and I'm da da da. Yeah. So, or like the person with the spider, they say, oh, I'm really interested in spiders. So I, th I think that, you know, it's like a two way dialogue. And for me, brain art is about that because it's about, um, it's about dialoguing with your brain and taking control, taking control in a really calm, creative, fun way and an experimental way. And then see what happens next. Because we're always developing. Um, yeah. We're always onward bound. And so I think the modern science gives us such, hello, sweetie, such different different frames to look at things. Really different. Well, we, we did a great meaning uh, change for my dogs when we moved somewhere where the fireworks were going off all the time. Yeah. And so they were terrified. So yeah. I was jumping around like crazy like a lunatic going uh every time it went boom I'd say yeah boom boom yeah retreat and and then they learned they transferred that loud noise to any loud noise they'd come find me like where's my treat and they were testing yeah. fire alarms in the house yesterday and Bella's little tail was wagging like yeah they'd go bleep 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 I'd say yay you know you get your boom and then they'd be waiting for that next one. And they her tail's wagging, you know, like, okay, here's yeah. another one. So I love that you say a two-way dialogue because it's 100% true. And everything our brain and bodies are doing are for uh, helpful intent, you know, survival. Um, and so it's like, again, like saying, okay, that's, Carmel's not actually going to kill you, Jess. You know, <laughs> thank you, but, you know, but I really, I like can. I'm mean, gonna keep move. that one in there because I don't need any more sugar. <laughs> yeah, it can it can move to the other side of the V. 
so oh, yeah. you know so 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 what happened is it was on the rewarding side and then when you had the fright it moved to the risky side now the reason that it would be a good idea to depotentiate those receptors and this is a really good thing to talk about is that you don't need them oh. and you will have encoded other things at the same time not just the caramel oh. so i think the caramel was what we call enhavening the content Mm. But there will also have been complex content. So there'll be other things round about it, which you might have dislikes for. You know, know what they might be, but say there was some music playing, say there was classical music playing, and now you say, I don't like classical music. It may have been that moment. So I always think it's worth, if I notice I don't like something, I I do some depotentiation and I see if I can tell my brain through using Havening that all is well. And my brain decides to to absorb some receptors, and then I just notice what you oh, know what's happening. Okay, because it's gonna it's gonna reduce your allostatic load, so mm-hmm. that's going to be good for your skin. It's going to be good for your hair. It's going to be good for your energy. Um, it's going to be good for your general health. So I reckon that absorbing those receptors is just a great thing to do. It's okay. one of an easy thing to do. So. Having a havening practice, um, like you were saying earlier, like say, like say, like when I was scared of the horse, so I noticed the case, the horse was booming, and I was going all rigid and like, and then he was mirroring that, and then we were getting into terrible sort of arguments, um, and being terrified of each other. I think so. So I yeah, I did just what you described. One day, um, I noticed how scared I was, so I was like, wow, you know, I'm scared, or, um in survival mode and I thought okay I'm just going to do the evening touch and then I thought okay what kind of technique could I use so I thought I could use some hopeful evening so I was like I'm hopeful I can calm down quickly because I kind of know that that's going to happen anyway because of how it signals I understand all of that and what amazed me was that the horse my brain changed so quickly that the horse's brain changed as well and he lay down and just relaxed on the ground and I just thought gosh that is such an interesting mirror um of of who was cueing so that is a lovely thing as well so in the old language we would talk about triggering but then when we think about the same mechanism happening for an ice cream or a smile we don't say the ice cream triggered a big smile you know (laughs) So the scientific word for that process of sensory matching and then us experiencing the cascade and then the case is cue. So it's a really great word because when we say trigger, we're actually communicating with our brain, aren't we? Because we know about guns are scary. So we have lots of receptors all about guns and triggers and da da, and it's inescapable if you get shot and da 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 da, da it could lose your life and da da. So all that can go on. So we have to be very careful what we say to ourselves. Mm. So cues, cues are really great words. So, so you know, it's like, you know, I cued him to be, um, to have his survival system, and so when I changed. And really, it changed in like two minutes, two to three minutes. And he just, his ears went floppy and he lay down, big relax. And I was like, gosh, this havening is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so if we do it as a practice, um, 
uh, Hilary Russell was doing a, something that you could pick up on um, YouTube was doing a nice thing. I saw gratitude practice, waking mm -hmm. up in the morning and doing some havening and just saying, you know, hopefully it's going to be a wonderful day. Or being in the shower, you know, washing and you can do your havening then. Mm -hmm. I hope today I'm going to see lots of smiles and lots of opportunities that direct where your focus is, direct. Because your brain will your brain will look for things to survive from. Because right. they were just wonderful... Um, you know, survival mechanism. That's how humans have taken over the world, really. If we think about our Stone Age times, we were prey mammals. We were eaten by quite small things like dogs. We had to stay together. And we have babies that take a long time to grow up and they take a lot of care. And we taste delicious and we don't have any claws or anything like that. We're very vulnerable. <laughs> we don't have big teeth. So we're really vulnerable. And um, and we developed this fantastic survival system, which is this fast learning, this predicting, this, um, you know, imagining. And so once we start to kind of really understand that, we can we can be soft with ourselves. We can soften and, and recognize um, when we say we don't like something or, or something. It's probably just a survival response that we that we learned at some time about Carmel or the clock or. Yeah, I, I went to an event last year with my daughter and we made these little wooden coins to give out. And on one side, it said like, see or experiencing something you don't like, flip it. And then you flip the coin and it was like, call it back to love, speak love into it, etc. And it just relates to like what we're, we're talking about here today. Um, I believe, right, it's like you're, you're, you're approaching this with the appreciation for the the body coming up with all these survival responses and having yeah. that dialogue. I love that you called it a dialogue to be like, no, we're safe. Um, yeah. This is good. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah. And I think, I think so much of the old knowledge kind of made us scared of our responses and made us kind of want to suppress it and, mm -hmm. you know, worry that if we have voices in our head, what is that? Is it schizophrenia? Is it, what mm -hmm. is it? You know, we have these feelings in our body. What are they? You know, why do I have IBS? Well, it's your autonomic system saying, run, you know, there's some caramel. <laughs> there's a clock. You know, somebody might ask you the time. Oh my God, that man's going to ask you the time. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> You've still got to get out of here. <laughs> and so, you know, and and because we're prey mammals, we don't generally share with people. We 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 try to disguise it's natural to disguise it. We see this in horses all the time. They're also prey mammals, and they are very difficult to know when they're in pain or they have some kind of fear because they just disguise it. And I say we do the same, you know, we we wear our lovely clothes, we our makeup on we go I'm fine we have a bigger car you know we have a big house a lot of these things are are, are signaling to the society that and to ourselves I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine and actually one of the best ways you can do that is a little bit of simple havening touch which is just actually going to communicate with your system with your brain and say that you're that you're safe um going back to what you were saying about um joy and and all of these things uh one of the things in in the primer that you when you're learning the havening techniques you learn in the primer on page 13 there's a beautiful piece of um, writing from proust about um, how proust it's a very famous piece of writing how he uh, had a, a cake and some tea 
And in that moment of having the cake and the tea, what happened, the sensory matching, to an experience that he had where he was just really, really happy, you know, maybe with his grandmother or something like that. And so when he took the tea, it's sensory match, and he was the case, the, you know, the electrical and chemical cascade and the case he felt um, was just beautiful, relaxed. So, so if you look at the case, he, he could, he accessed pictures of, of his learning experience mm-hmm. when he learned, this is nice, I like this. And he, his, his system, his autonomic system changed to parasympathetic and he was in rest and digest and his somatosensory uh, sensations were something that he really liked so he felt really good and his emotions were that he was safe and this was really good and so that kind of learning is probably very fast and it's also probably in the amygdala and the way I think about them is I've created a checklist for them so I can think about them and talk to students about them and so instead of calling Emily like the other one we're talking about, where there's the meaning of loss and abandonment and the inescapability. In this one, there's a sense of freedom and a sense of safety. Mm. So that's something that we can look at as well, because we don't always celebrate these little moments in the day when we have freedom and we have safety. And actually, now that we're we're no longer in the Stone Age, just being in our house, just sitting in the chair is a moment of safety. Deciding to have a cup of tea rather than a cup of coffee is a choice. It's a freedom that we have. And if you can start to notice those moments and think, gosh, I call them elves. So the elements called Emily and I call these elves. So that I've got a checklist for them. So if we start looking. So if you if you look for elves in your life and notice how many of them you have, um, you can make all sorts of things enjoyable, like washing the dishes or cleaning your mm. house, or they can start to become um, activities that fill you with dose, with Ooh. dopamine and oxytocin and serotonin and endorphins, because you're framing it and you, you know, you're communicating with yourself differently. So, what does ELFS stand for? ELFS stands for event, and it's for the E, and L is the landscape. And F is a sense of freedom, and S is a sense of safety. Nice. Thank you. Nice. So that's what Proust had, wasn't it? When he was a little boy, and he dipped the madeleine in his tea, and he felt safe with his granny, and everything was nice. He encoded all that, all the smells of that place, and the happy feet. He encoded his case, so he was feeling happy and you know, maybe feeling loved or feeling loving, he encoded all of that. So many years later, 50 years later, he dips the cake in his tea, he tastes it, oh, he remembers feeling loved. Wow. He has that, he has that chemistry in his body. So imagine if we can really, you know, as modern, knowledgeable people, we can access that and use that and build that into our lives and, and notice all these elves. Nice. And evening's just so great for that. Like the other day, I was hoovering and cleaning my sofa and I felt really resentful and upset about it. It's terrible. It's like, oh, I just, my body was like, I didn't want to do it. And I was fed up and everything like that. So I noticed it. Yeah. And I was like, hmm, 
what's all that about? When did I learn that? You know, maybe as a child, I was asked to do the housework and I didn't want to. I have no idea where I learned that. And it doesn't really matter. So I thought, okay, I shall do some havening because it's going to take four minutes. So I put the hoover down, started to do some havening. And I said, I'm resentful. <laughs> I just kind of noticed the case. And I was like, I've got a picture of this. It will never be clean. And da, 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 da. went through all my, kind of had my little rant, sort of accelerated all, compressed all, notice all I was horrible, heavy arms and feel, don't feel well. And I've got no energy. And I think I'm definitely ill. I might, I might die. <laughs> I was like hearing myself do all this stuff. And then of course, what happens is, you signal safe and wherever I learned whatever was going on there whatever maybe it was the smell of the cleaner maybe it was the movement something oh. something activated some kind of survival response that ended up with this ill feeling and this no energy and it activated that so three to four minutes of havening and it's so funny because if you notice case and you kind of track case so I'm tracking case and it was really funny because I couldn't access previous thing that just seemed ridiculous like who was that ridiculous person and instead it was like I had all these insights I was like oh I could use this to clean this and I could do this and actually I love this sofa I remember where I bought it I really like my new cover and it was a whole completely load of new brain art a completely new story oh, I mean I am and- just as you're talking, I I had a wave of compassion come over for my dad who passed in November and the family, you know, watched him like refuse medical care, make mm. very minimal changes to his diet and like be really insistent and stubborn sometimes or rageful mm. once in a while about mm. like being able to eat certain things. And as you were talking about yeah. sitting with the grandma and eating this and I was like wow like to him it gave him like something right so much probably that we just didn't have the capacity to understand because we were so fixated on like your carotids are 96 and 98 percent clogged and they want to do this quadruple bypass and like feeling like if you even eat even the little bit of oil or bacon fat you know that could be it right um so it's just like wow so it's just like this nice level of like just compassion and and um I think too um as you were going on and talking about all these other things I'm like wow I smell because you're talking about the circumstances back then and why is it tied um every time I smell pine salt I'm so disgusted and it was because anytime we were sick my mom had a barf bowl and then she'd clean it with pine salt. But like yeah. now, like now you've given me homework. <laughs> <laughs> the pine saw. Um, yeah. And I think um, this is great that using noticing the uh, if you're trying to re- like sum up, you've given us so much to do. And I love that. I love taking stuff with me after talking to like awesome people. And my goodness, like. I was so excited for you to come on because I was watching your videos even before I was certified havening. And it's just, inc- I feel like I'm meeting all these, like you are all famous, like you're famous in the havening. <laughs> so I'm meeting like my idols, famous people and just knew I was going to get so much out of it personally. But as we think about, you know, 
posing it to anyone listening and inviting them like what to do. And I will put a video, I'll find Hillary, Hillary Russo's um, uh, gratitude one, or, or maybe some other ones that are just kind of show the havening touch. Um, yeah. It's so, I've so, got, so yeah. yeah um, I've got a, a guided one and there's one of me working with a chap who thought something was terrible was going to happen, but that can be enough. Just his brain art mm. uh, told his brain that something terrible. And so he encoded it. So that's an interesting video as well. So I'll yeah, I'll put it all in the in the blog post for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, what would be the invitation if you had to put it into okay for the next two weeks or whatever it is? Pay attention to case or or use your elves. Like yeah, yeah. Pay attention. Think about think about your elves and pay attention to case and notice how you access things. And um, we all we all think that we access in particular special ways to us, but actually they're incredibly um, what was the word for the the universal. So so people all over the world access pictures in the same way. And you can start to notice when you access case, notice what we call the content, which means what's it about. So it's like when you watch the telly. You watch a movie, we look at the storyline and who's who, and that's the content. But there's also format, and format's really interesting. So when we're watching the telly, the format, if you like, is contained in the telly, and it's if it's a coloured film, it's moving and it's coloured and it's focused. Um, when we access our uh, our thoughts... You can start to notice the format, you know, are they 3D? Do they float in the air? Are they low and tiny and fly past? Or are they big and really clear? Do they feel really close? Do they feel really close? Do they feel like behind you? And it's really fun to start doing that. And I would say the best way to start doing it is in things you like. You know, and little ordinary things like cups of tea and your favourite chair and things that make you smile and comedians that make you laugh and um cute things that you know that you can't help kind of going oh you know all that kind of stuff we all have um I always think I'm very unsentimental but it's not true <laughs> like, you know, like when I see my hens or something like that or if I see a, a leaf you know in after winter and I see that leaf just bursting out of the brown wood I can't help but like go god it's amazing isn't it so those kind of um, everyday, everyday things that we just ignore normally. So sort of build on them, play with that, and so yeah, and have there'll be a cue. Then there'll be a cue, and you look at what's going on yeah. in your case, and then would we amplify that with havening or after the exploration? Yeah, you can do actually. Okay. You can do. It's quite good good way to learn I think with um havening there are when you're when you're working with those the thing the things on the v that are rewarding then just explore them and then you might want to use a kind of suggestion so you're kind of directing your thinking communicating with your brain you know I'm hopeful I can I can experience more of this I hope and I can notice this more often I can hope hope you know hopefully I can make the most of it or I hope it's going to be a great day or I hope I'm going to have a great sleep and I'm going to wake up refreshed, uh, those kind of things. So we can do a lot with very simple 
suggestions. And when we're not sure about something, you know, so say you're playing with this and experimenting, and sort of thinking, wow, brain art and stuff. Um, and you feel, I'm a great, I'm Scottish and I'm, I'm a skeptic, but being a skeptic is really great because it makes me really question things. So I've questioned things like, what is the unconscious? And, you know, I looked up and I found that Freud said that he wouldn't have used that word anymore. At the end of his life, he went, mm, I would have got rid of that. That that was too general. So I was like, wow, Freud got fed up with it. <laughs> right, okay, get rid of that. And then training myself not to say that. So if I'm not going to say it anymore, what else can I not say? When I was about 17, I decided to do an experiment and not say work anymore. I'm going to stop saying work. You know, I'm going to stop sending that signal to my brain about work. And so quite often I'd be grappling for work. I'd be like, so I'd be like, well, I'm doing this. <laughs> but it made a lot of changes and it gave me a lot of energy. And people often say to me, one of the things that common for people say, say to me is, how did you do so much in your life? And I sometimes wonder if just not using the word work for a bit of fun. Because once I stopped using it, I kind of really stopped using it because I was like, this is working for me. This is interesting, mm -hmm. you know. And work um, didn't always mean something negative. Like it, 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 historically, it had a more positive connotation and evoked better feelings and a sense yeah. of purpose and pride. And um, now it's just this four-letter word. Um, I noticed in myself the busy because I'm doing so many things I love. And then when people ask you, you know, about what you're up to, whatever. And if I said the word busy, it just felt bad, like a bad thing. And it's, so now I start yeah. saying jam packed. And because then that sounds more fun. Um, so, yeah. So if you notice yeah. that a certain word feels a certain way to you, it's like, well, what word? They did studies where they yeah. had people who were going to go on stage and some of them thought about how nervous they were. And some of them told themselves they were excited. And the ones yeah. who said, this is me excited like yeah weren't as scared um to speak in front of the group so um yeah. I love that I love it when it works I, I think sometimes we hear like uh people just trying to change their thoughts or hammer in affirmations but the rest of your yeah. body's like nope so you have to listen to that case and then with havening it's beautiful because it's like okay instead of going straight up with the affirmation let's do a what if, an information, right? And so then it's like, yeah. well, how does that feel? And so you're really checking yeah. in this whole bigger picture. Um, yeah. And it make it really personal to, to you. Yeah. 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 So so you can, it's, it's absolutely, you're spot on. And you could, so now, like when I was 17, I obviously didn't know about, about havening. I learned, I was learning about NLP then. It was in 1981. Um, so I was very curious about those kind of things. Um, but now what I would probably do is I would be like, mm, I have a funny response to work for some reason. I must have learned something, something about that. I think maybe it was because I was at art school and I was really, I had to work hard to get to art school. And it was really tough being at art school because you're challenged to think of something new. What a difficult thing to do when you're 17. Do something, and then you look at the great canon of brilliant work of all these masters from cavemen upwards, and you're like, oh, like, <laughs> you know, it's so, so different from maybe being at university and learning something and kind of repeating it and getting a good mark. You, your teachers say, now think of something completely new and make it brilliant. And your brain just goes, 
that's what happened to me anyway. And then at the same time, you get this kind of external pressure of, are you going to get a proper job? Are you going to get, are you, you know, what work are you going to do? That's just playing. So that was maybe really stressful because it was so tough um, and mind bending. And then people going, what about getting a proper job? I'm like, I'm working so hard. Um, so perhaps it was something like that. But the only thing I knew then was to just stop using the word for a while mm. and play with it and start saying something else and seeing if I could cue myself because I kind of understood about cueing could I cue myself in a different way but now I would use havening and so if I used havening and did work as a cue I would be moving to transpirational havening mm. so it probably would have resolved very quickly so I would have said work work and thought about you know got the whole case about work up what I think and probably the stories about work and then I'd probably remember something that my granny's boyfriend said about work and I was never going to work or you know it'd be like probably lots of little things like that which maybe had that kind of inescapability and that kind of sense of loss or something there and then what would happen is as I signaled safe some deep tentation would happen and I'd be where I am now because now I can say work and um my case is neutral that's completely neutral um, so I can I can use it and I use it again and I, it was funny when I started using it again because I was like oh I'm saying that word again so like you say instead of having to avoid things you can do a bit of brain sculpture you can do a bit of havening and tweak it and it might not be that you do it straight away it might be it might even be that you notice it and get in touch with a havening practitioner and have a session and tell them what you've noticed and, and they'll work with you so I want to find out like where you are. I could talk to you literally forever, but I actually have a, a call. I look, oh wow, I have so many other call. I am so grateful that you've been on and it didn't feel like we've been on this long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you wanted to say, um, tell me your website and then we'll put so many goodies in the show notes more than anyone could ever wish for. <laughs> and I'm just so grateful. I, I got to meet you and, um, and hear all of this. It's been, it's been, it makes so much sense. It's so beautiful. And thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so delighted to, to share and, and, you know, you've got great ideas. So it's, it's so exciting to talk about it because when we talk about it, we're really kind of bringing it into being really. Mm. you know because they are new ideas and new ways to think about things and actually they're so simple I love how simple they are so yeah if people want to find me I'm at psychosensoryacademy.com psychosensoryacademy.com thank you so much I hope to have you back because I think we could just talk about so many other things (laughs) take good care you too Bye-bye just now. Bye. Bye. This is Felpling. Sunlight streaming and better. Shine up like the beans. The less better. Keep on dreaming.